0: Welcome to Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. Starting Points goes through the entire Bible from Genesis through Revelation, including all of the major sections of the Bible. It's designed to be a starting point or a restarting point for anyone who is reading, studying, engaging with, wrestling with the Bible, which we believe to be the very word of God. Right now, we are looking at the minor prophets of the Hebrew scripture. And it leads to a very timely question, given what given what is going on in our world right now. What do Christians do with Israel in the Bible? How do Christians approach the Jewish people, and how should Christians interact with biblical discussion of Israel, especially if you're in the Minor Prophets, which is only almost exclusively about Israel and the Jewish people. I'm not Jewish. As far as I know, the vast majority of people in our church aren't Jewish, and yet the concept of Israel, the Jewish people, the children of Abraham are all throughout the scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus was Jewish, all of the twelve disciples were Jewish, the majority of the apostles were Jewish, all of the writers of the New Testament except Luke were Jewish. What do you do with that? So that's kind of our conversation point. Obviously, right now, there is war in the land of Israel. We, we watched with horror in recent days as we saw reports of uh, innocent people gunned down in their homes, in their neighborhoods, at a music festival, gunmen coming and, and killing people. I, I heard the story of a, a kibbutz, which is this sort of communal farm that they have in Israel. And this kibbutz was populated with people who were peace activists, Jewish people who were peace activists. They intentionally sent their kids to schools that had Jews and Arabs, Muslims and Christians. And they, they wanted their kids to be immersed in a community that sought peace between peoples and they were slaughtered. There have been horrific reports. We've seen the images of, of things like the, the music festival. I saw a representative of Hamas on British television the other day, and he denied that any of that had happened. He said it's all propaganda, but we saw it with our own eyes. Now, it's tricky because the Jewish people, as a people, not indivi- I'm not talking about individuals or, or, or small groups of people, but I'm just speaking in large mass, the Jewish people rejected Jesus as their Messiah. This was something that was wrestled with by early Christians, because the original church, the church in Jerusalem, by, by being the church in Jerusalem, was understandably Jewish, the original Christians just believed themselves to be Jewish people who had found their Messiah. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Savior promised to the Jewish people. And they didn't see anything different. They saw themselves as Jews, as not just like ethnically or by birth, but religiously. And for the first several years of the Christian faith, they were just a sect of Judaism. People who believed that they had found the Messiah. And as the message of the gospel spread, it originally spread among Jewish communities over Western Asia, Northern Africa, and Southern Europe. The Apostle Paul, his practice, and everybody forgets that Paul was Jewish because he has a Greek sounding name, but his practice was to go first to the Jewish community to the synagogues or to find where Jews were meeting. If there weren't enough Jews to have a synagogue, he went to the river because that was the place they would meet on the Sabbath. This was, this was the situation for the original believers. And then when the gospel came to Samaria, they said, well, you know, the Samaritans are, are like half Jewish. So I guess that works too. The big rub, the big debate didn't come until non-Jewish people became Christians. And then a lot of the New Testament is working out, how does that work? Do they have to follow the Jewish laws and customs? Or what does it take to be a Christian? And what should a Christian do or follow? And what parts of the Old Testament do we keep? And what parts of the Old Testament do we say were for a different time? And then, as it became clear that as a group, the Jewish people as a people were rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul talks about this. And he said, okay, they've rejected Jesus. Did God reject them? Romans chapter 11 says, did God reject his people? By no means. This is Paul speaking. I am an Israelite myself. I descended from Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. God, I'm going to read that again. God did not reject his people, Israel. There are Christians who teach that God has now moved on from Israel, moved on from the Jewish people. Largely, this teaching is held in both the Catholic tradition and in the Roman, the Reformed tradition, the Roman Catholic tradition and the Reformed tradition. And I would say that both groups, and especially the Reformed Protestants, have a tendency, I'm not speak, I don't, I don't like paint, painting with a broad brush here, but hey, there is a tendency to not want to deal with the anti-Semitism that was prevalent in Europe in the days of the reformers. They don't want to deal with Luther's anti-Semitism. They don't want to deal with the racism that was common in Calvin's Geneva. They don't want to deal with the anti-Semitism that was common in Wesley's England. And the roots, the racist roots of the reformed movement. Now, I'm not saying the, the reformed movement was racist. I'm saying it was birthed in a time where that sort of racism was not only tolerated, but it was the norm. And you don't want to deal with that. And this teaching, it's called replacement theology, the idea that the church has fully replaced Israel and God has just done with them. And I've never understood what do you do with Romans 11 where Paul says, God did not reject his people. Well, we're now God's people, sure. But so is Israel because that is what Paul is talking about. He is speaking to Christians, to the church, about the people of Israel, the Jewish people. He goes on to say, don't you know what the scripture says about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. We just went through this. We studied the life of the prophet Elijah on Sunday mornings. And Elijah was just despondent. And don't you know that your people have rejected you and they've turned to false idols and they've killed all the prophets and I'm the only one who's left. And the Lord said, or sorry, verse three. And then he says, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one who's left and they are trying to kill me. And then Paul says, and what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself seven thousand who have not bowed their knee to Baal, the false God that the people had turned to. Paul continues on, so too at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. So when Elijah went to God and said, God, your people have rejected you. They've killed all your prophets and they're trying to kill me. God said, don't you know that I have 7,000 people who have not rejected me? There is a remnant. A small group, yes, but a remnant of people who have stayed faithful. And Paul says in the same way, the Jewish Christians are that remnant in his day and are that remnant today. At the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But here's the thing. When God spoke about the remnant to Elijah, the idea was there is this place where people are still faithful to me. And when the time comes for Israel to repent, as they did, they will be the ones who kept the flame going. And then when Israel did turn back to God, it was that foundation, that flame that had been kept going, is what, where they began to rebuild from. In the Christian church, especially in uh, Western Europe, we've seen that same idea Played out in history. There were places like uh, Iona and the Isle of Skye, places like Lindisfarne, Holy Island, which is off of the coast of eastern England in the North Sea, where they kept the scripture at a time when the Catholic Church was trying to destroy any scripture that wasn't in Latin or anything that didn't line up with their teaching. There are places and times where true faith has held in small remnants even when you know, collectively things have gone very bad. Um, In Wesley's day, I'll say a good thing about Wesley since I just said a bad thing about him. Uh, In Wesley's day, you know, church had become institutional, political, kind of like our day. And yet Wesley and his crew were just doing what God had given them to do, staying faithful, even though they were kind of, you know, kicked to the curb for it. So what does that mean? According to the scripture, From Romans 11, God has not rejected his people. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, are still the chosen people of God. There is a remnant left that exists within the church, and there will come a time where Jesus will deal with his people. It says in Zechariah chapter 12, and this is quoted in the Gospels, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him. As one mourns for an only child, and they will weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. The prophet Zechariah, again quoted in the Gospels, teaches us that there will come a time where the house of David, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and it's not a stretch to say this is representative of the Jewish people, that they will en masse see Jesus as he returns, see him as their Messiah. They will weep, they will mourn, and the spirit of grace will be poured upon them. We studied the book of the Revelation last year. I'm sure at some point in the 20-minute Bible study, we'll get to uh, the prophet Ezekiel. Isaiah talks about this. The book of Daniel we studied a couple years ago on Sunday mornings talks about this. There will come a time when the Jewish people and mass as a large group collectively turn to Jesus as their Messiah, and God will deal with them again. In the meantime, what do we do? Israel is in many ways three things. It is a geographic place. The nation of Israel has set and defined borders and boundaries. It is also an embodiment of a people and third, as an idea. Israel is a place, there is a people there, and there is an idea. The danger is when we confuse one for the other. The land of Israel is the promised land. It is the holy land. Jerusalem is the city that God has chosen. And I do not challenge his claim over that land or that city. It's God's. Now, people have done what they've wanted with it. The scripture talks about God giving Jerusalem over at certain times for it to be trampled underfoot. But Israel as a place is the holy land. It's God's land. Israel as a people, that's tricky. I know Christians who say that they support Israel. They support the Jewish people. And yet for Jews in our community, here in Portland, in America, I, will, I have heard people say, I support Israel. I support the Jewish people. And then in the next sentence, in the next breath, they say anti-Semitic things about Jewish people in our own community. Israel is a representation of the Jewish people. It, it, there is the light, there, there's a law in Israel called the right of return. Any Jewish person has the right to come and settle in Israel. They have gone to great lengths to bring Jewish people to Israel. From Russia after the fall of communism, uh, from Africa uh, when Jewish communities have been threatened in parts of the world, they have sent in uh, planes and special forces to get people out at a great, great cost to the, to the country, great danger to their citizens' lives. But they recognize that Israel is the embodiment of the Jewish people. At the same time, America is also an embodiment of the Jewish people. America is a place where the Jewish people have been able to flourish and have, uh, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, found safety unlike they found in Europe or in other places. Now, it's also an idea, the idea of, of a Jewish homeland, a place where God had for his people. But then we get into the landmines of this, politics, uh, ideologies. We also are in danger of forgetting our Christian sisters and brothers. Among the Arab world, they are the minority, but among the Arab world, there, are, there is a minority community of Christians that have been among those places for thousands of years. Christians in Lebanon, Christians in Syria, Christians in uh, among the Palestinians. They are a minority community, but they are there and they are present. We risk forgetting about them. There are Christians and churches and movements who support Israel. And if you say anything about our Christian brothers and sisters among the Palestinians, the Lebanese, the Jordanians, and how they suffer, sometimes at the hands or because of the hands of Israelis. There is silence. That seems wrong. Additionally, Muslims are people that God loves, people that Jesus died for. They are valuable. They are humans who are made in the image of God. And there have been times, I grew up in a group of churches that was incredibly pro-Israel. In fact, when the founder of that group of churches died and they had his funeral, the nation of Israel sent its ambassadors to America to speak at the man's funeral. That's how, that's how Like, big a deal this guy was in supporting Israel. And yet, I, I went to the Bible college that was founded by that group of churches. And if you spoke anything about Coptic Christians, uh, Arab Christians, anything that wasn't 100% pro-Israel, you could get shouted down, called out. That seems wrong to me. Israel is God's chosen people. The Jewish people are God's chosen people. They have, have rejected Jesus for now, but a remnant remains within the church, Jewish people who are believers, and God will still be faithful to them. Israel is a nation, and it is largely the primary embodiment of the Jewish people on earth, but it's not ruled by God. It doesn't submit to God. It rejects God because it rejects Jesus. To reject Jesus is to reject Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham looked and saw the coming of Jesus prophetically, and he rejoiced. We pray And we should pray for peace and to seek the good of all people. So look, I recognize that Israel is a a nation and, and the Jewish people are a people that are highly important and central to the prophetic plan we see in the Bible. And at the same time, I also recognize that just because the Jews are God's people, it doesn't mean that whoever the prime minister is or whatever actions their government takes is always right. So it's a tricky subject. What's going on over there right now? It's a tricky subject. We pray for peace. We pray for peace that God would have mercy because people are suffering and dying. There are Christians suffering. There are Muslims suffering. There are innocent children suffering. There are old people suffering. People are suffering in Israel because of the evil of Hamas. There will be people who suffer in Palestine because of the callousness of some in Israel. There will be people who suffer in Palestine because of the callousness and the self-interest of certain Arab leaders in Arab countries. One of the lies that's going around is that Gaza and the Palestinians are part of an apartheid state. That's not true. I disagree with that. The Gaza Strip shares a border with Egypt that Egypt has had shut. It is easier for a Palestinian to come into Israel and find work, and they have been increasing the work permits given over the last several years than it is for them to enter another Muslim Arab country like Egypt that they share a border with. That's interesting. And yet you don't hear people talk about that. So what I'm saying is this. It is complicated. It is tricky. I pray for peace, just like the scripture says that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I also want to pray for the peace of my Jewish neighbors, my Jewish uh, friends, people that we might work with, people we might interact with because they need Jesus too. I think there's a lot of weirdness that goes on in the church. I know of Christians that get really weird when it comes to Israel and and the Jewish people, and they try to like claim some kind of Jewish state that they don't have, you know, that they're very obviously like, like you talk to them, it's like, you are not Jewish. And yet they try to like cosplay that they are. And that just gets weird. When it comes to the Bible, as I read through this, understand this. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew scripture There was a covenant given to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. God said, I will be your God, and your descendants will be my people. And God has kept his covenant with Abraham. God gave a covenant with David, the king of Israel, and he said, from your descendants will come the Messiah, Jesus of the line of David. And Jesus fulfilled the covenant God gave to the people of Israel through Moses, the Mosaic law. That was fulfilled through Jesus. The covenant God gave Abraham, still in in play. The covenant that God gave David, still in play because Jesus will come back and he will rule and reign in Jerusalem. All of that is still in play. So I think biblically as Christians, we should love all people. We should pray for peace. We should recognize the place and significance that Israel and the Jewish people have in God's plans. We should also recognize that God cares for our Jewish neighbors here in Portland just as much as he does for the Jewish people in Tel Aviv, and we should live that way. But we should also recognize that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. And if a Jewish person rejects Jesus, then they reject the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if a non-Jewish person accepts Jesus, then they embrace the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the only way that there can be salvation is is through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And whether you are Jewish or Gentile, it does not matter. The only way that we can have our sins forgiven is by the work that Jesus did, giving us a better covenant. You can check out our 20-minute Bible study podcast. We're currently going through the book of Hebrews that talks about how the new covenant that Jesus established there in his death and his resurrection in Jerusalem is far superior to the covenant that God established through Moses with the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. We're going to continue looking at the minor prophets next week, and we'll see you again for another episode of the Starting Points podcast.